And happy Black Friday, everyone. Welcome to the TrojanSports.com podcast. November 25th, 2016. I am Chris Morales. Galito! Hope everyone had an amazing, family, friend-filled, food-filled Thanksgiving. I know I did. Hope you did, too. And yes, we know we were a little behind this week. We appreciate everyone's patience on this holiday week. We've got Chris Swanson, a lot of Chris Swanson ahead. He's going to be here first with his ski load to preview and give you a prediction for USC Notre Dame tomorrow at the Coliseum. 12.30, that daytime game, number 12 USC. Doesn't that feel good to say? I'm thankful for that. Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish. Of course, the rivalry that goes so far back. Not that much excitement for us, at least, because Notre Dame's really, really bad. 11-point spread, if you like that action giving 11 to Notre Dame so far. What we need, what we need tomorrow is a Utah win over Colorado. That's right. We've got a root for Utah. Washington won today. But we want a Utah win. And that game will be 4.30 tomorrow up in Boulder. Number 21, Utah. Number 9, Colorado. We need a Utah win to get us into the Pac-12 championship game to rematch with Washington. All right, but first... And plus, Chris Swanson, by the way, he's got your podcast questions that we asked this week on the Trojan Talk message board. He's going to answer those, so we're excited. But first, we start with his ski Take it away, my turkey friend. Hey, this is radio station WSKEE. We're taking calls on the wish line, making your wacky wishes come true. Hello? I wish I was a little bit taller. All right, you guys want a preview for the USC Notre Dame game? There's not much to preview here, honestly. This is going to be a good old-fashioned butt-kicking. USC's on a different level than Notre Dame right now. I'm not really sure what happened uh, to the Fighting Irish this season. Maybe it was losing, uh, you know, a couple of leaders uh, before the year started, and and uh, maybe that really affected them. But uh, they're they're just not the team I expected them to be. I expected Notre Dame to be a very solid team, uh, easily a top 25 team, and they're far from that. They're a mess. Notre Dame's a mess this year. USC started out as a mess, but they've turned things around. They're on a run. Uh, USC might be one of the best teams in the country right now. It's it's bad timing for Notre Dame because they, they can't handle a team like that uh, at this point. In the year, if this game was in week two, week three, you know what? Maybe Notre Dame beats USC. I don't know. USC was a different team back then. They they were a mess back then too. But right now, it looks like USC could pretty much beat uh, anybody in the country outside Alabama, in my mind, uh, any given uh, Saturday. And Notre Dame definitely can't do that. Notre Dame uh, is having enough trouble just winning. Uh, you know they're they're not even a winning program this year. They're uh, <laughs> they're having a lot of trouble. So uh, I'm taking USC, especially at home. I don't think that's a place where Notre Dame wins very often, uh, unless they are very good. Uh, and even in those games when Notre Dame is really good and it somehow does get one of the Coliseum, it seems to usually be close. So um, I'll take USC big. Uh, I'm gonna make my score a little bit of a throwback. Uh, score for uh, you know for everybody that you're going to see in a second, uh, 45 to 14, a, a good old 31 point victory for USC over Notre Dame. Uh, I think we're uh, we're humming right along and we're back in that era basically where USC is getting uh, those kinds of wins, those 31 point wins over Notre Dame. I think USC is a top 10 team. Notre Dame's not a ranked Notre Dame team. Uh, that's the kind of win that that USC gets in the Coliseum. Uh, over an Irish team like this. That's what I expect. I expect Sam Darnold to play lights out, as he always does. I think he's uh, probably the best quarterback in the country. 
Uh, I expect him to be the feature of the offense. The he's the feature component in this game. Uh, he's going to shine. Uh, it's, even though Notre Dame's down, this game is always a uh, uh, you know a game where uh, big time players have an audience to to showcase their ability. Sam Darnold's going to do that. I expect him to put up you know four touchdowns or something like that, and and really get. The rest of the country that's watching, you know, this game because Notre Dame is a is a big time program, uh, you know, from from outside the West Coast. The rest of the country is going to be watching. They're going to get excited about Sam Darnold too after this game. He's going to be basically USC's MVP in this game. Uh, the defense will also continue to to rock and roll and play at a high level. I think they'll shut down Notre Dame, and uh, I think that the Trojans will end this year. With two huge victories over their biggest rivals, and uh, and on a big win streak, and looks like Clay Helton is uh, has proven everybody, myself included, very very wrong. And it seems like uh, the Trojans are on their way. You know, now that they're off san- off of sanctions and they they have a rep- uh, roster that's gone back a little bit, isn't depleted anymore. It seems like USC is well on its way to to being right back where it was with Pete Carroll and, uh, you know, Lane Kiffin that one year, I guess. And uh, it seems like USC is, uh, especially with Sam Darnold, at quarterback, uh, is on its way to winning big again. And this is just the start of it. So exciting time for, for Trojans fans. I think that continues in the Coliseum this weekend. And uh, USC is going to rock Notre Dame's world and it's going to get ugly. That's my pick. There you go. The Chris Watson prediction and Skiwo for USC Notre Dame tomorrow at the Coliseum, 1230 p.m. And now I'm going to take about an, oh, it's about a 50-minute break or so, 50 and change, because Chris Watson's going to answer your podcast questions direct from Trojansports.com. Thank you, everybody, to ask. And hopefully now with the season coming to a close tomorrow, and then, of course, hopefully postseason play for us in bowl season, um, that means we'll get back, hopefully, to the three of us. Answering your questions, reading them. I miss. I did it that one week. I miss reading Trojan Fan sixty eight, Nick from Cyprus. Well, I hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving. I'm going to bow out for a few minutes here, a lot of minutes actually. So Chris Swanson could take it away. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for asking your questions. I'm going to take it away and play host and question answerer this week because uh, we don't have Adam Maya. Surprise, surprise. I'm just kidding, Adam. If you are listening, you're probably not, but whatever. Um, anyway, so I'll just jump right into it with Alex Bow, who asked the first question. Uh, and thank you so much, Alex Bell. I'll say thank you to everybody after each question. I'll try to remember to anyway. Uh, he asks... Uh, regarding early departures outside of Adora and Juju, are there any other players that could potentially leave early? Also, any other potential transfers outside of Chuma and Max? Yeah, Alex, but it seems like every year that there's always a surprise uh, transfer or somebody that jumps into the NFL early, and it's a little bit of a surprise. So I don't really have a candidate that I see that I'm like, oh, that guy is obvious, but of course it's it's possible it's going to happen. And I can see it happening at uh, two spots, really, uh, guard and safety. Um Guard really for for both uh, you know the draft and a transfer uh, either or I guess I could say just because I feel like that competition there in the interior is tight they have a lot of uh, guys that can play that spot and I could just see somebody there transferring and going somewhere else to get a better opportunity because I'm sure there's a lot of programs that could use a guard like you, you know the ones USC has. 
that's one of the strengths of USC's teams, I feel like, is that the interior linemen at this point, just the depth they have there anyway. Um, it saved them also this season, just looking at Nico Fala. But anyway, I'm being off track. So I could see somebody, uh, you know, either taking advantage of their uh, – their draft stock there because USC's offensive line is being, you know, praised very heavily right now. Or I could see somebody transferring because they don't feel like they have an opportunity. Also, safety, I could see somebody jumping there because uh, a lot of competition uh, at the safety spot. Um, a lot of young guys, a lot of talented guys. I could see somebody, you know, um, jump into another program because I'm sure there's a lot of safeties there that, that won't start than another program could use. I really do feel that way. Um, so those are really the two spots that I would look at for transfers uh, for somebody leaving early maybe. I don't have a name that I feel like is obvious, but you could obviously speculate uh, on who. Uh, you know, If you uh, know about grad graduate transfer rules and all that, Chris Hawkins uh, could be a big-time candidate to transfer if he you know loses time, I feel like. Uh, Akili Ross uh, is a guy that people bring up. Uh, you, you just go down the depth chart of guard, or, and there's a lot of guys there uh, that, that aren't starting that seem like they're really good. So I, I just think that you, there's names that you know people think of, but there's nothing I've heard that, made me, that makes me think, oh, that guy's gone. So uh, that is my answer for you, Alex Bohm. We are going to move on to Nick from Cyprus, our good friend who gives us uh, the roll call shout-outs to me, Chris Morales, uh, Blair, Adam, Mike Singer, Murph Baldwin, Scott Schrader, Adam, I, everybody. He always just does the shout-out. We appreciate it every week. Uh, If you want to read it, you should get on the board and read it because it's really, it's genius. And, Nick, we appreciate you writing that out every week. Uh, I know because the one week that you didn't write it out, I got mad at you. Anyway, on to your question. Um... Recruiting, do I see USC being able to steal Haskell Garrett from uh, from Ohio State, the kid from Bishop Gorman, uh, or do I see USC being able to steal back Bubba Bolden? You know, I don't think USC is going to get Haskell Garrett. I really don't. He seems very solid to Ohio State. He has for a long time. Uh, I've been pressing him with USC questions pretty much ever well, I mean, ever since his recruitment took off, but also ever since he committed to Ohio State. And there's some kids that will give you things that seem like, oh, they're open, they're talking, uh, you know, to other programs. So I'd say that about Wyatt Davis. I feel like USC could get Wyatt Davis. I feel that way. He's another Ohio State commit. He's a five-star kid from St. John Bosco. But Haskell Garrett, I feel like he's solid to Ohio State. There's a connection there that he he's he feels like a Buckeye to me. So I don't see USC making... That flip, I do think USC is going to get Bubba Bolden. I think USC is going to get a commitment from Bubba Bolden eventually. I think they'll sign him come signing day. I'm not going to give uh, take all the credit for that pick. I'll give credit to Scott Schrader for that pick, but that's just my opinion. And uh, you know, I'm, I think that USC will get him. Um, as for the guys that could potentially leave, what are the percentages uh, that Adori? Juju Smith-Schuster and Mama, I think you were trying to say, Damian Mama, uh, where are the percentages of them uh, staying or leaving? Adore Jackson, I feel like it's 50-50. Adam Maya had, a, had an awesome story, uh, an interview with him uh, that's on the site right now, and uh, he's been talking about coming back for a long time. You, sometimes that feels like talk, I get it, but... With him, uh, I think it's more than talk, and I'm not saying that I think Adore Jackson's coming back, slam dunk, but 
Adore Jackson makes it sound like he's going to come back. And to me, I'm putting that in the 50-50 category. And it honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if Adore Jackson came back. So I know that that's, uh, that might feel like a dream scenario for a lot of USC fans. But I could see Adore Jackson coming back. Juju Smith-Schuster, I think he's gone. I, I don't think there's any question about that. I, I, I think that he's he's been gone, honestly. Just with what he's been able to do, um, you know, all, it seems like he's he's a little bit banged up in a lot of these games. He fights through pain, and I, I think he's going to go get paid. Damian Mama, I'm not sure, honestly, um, because you, as I talked about with Alex Bowe's question, um, you know, that's kind of the position where I can see somebody taking advantage of a high draft stock, or I could see somebody transferring. So um, I'm not sure how to answer the Damian Mama question. Uh, I I wouldn't expect him to leave. He's not a guy that I think, oh, he's gone. But if you told me he transferred or went pro, you know, I I could see it happening. I really could. Um, I he just seems like one of those candidates that I mentioned earlier. Um, last question from you. Uh, what what do I make of the uh, the basketball games, the start to the basketball season? You know, I think USC is an athletic team. I think USC is a talented team uh, on the court. I think they're a fringe top 25 team if they get it all together and play up to their potential. I, I think they're a team that is dangerous in the tournament, uh, probably doesn't have the depth to go anywhere in the tournament, but could surprise somebody just because they have a couple guys that can really you know do some nice things. I like USC's team. I just don't think they have a lot of depth. I think that's going to kill them eventually. But they, they're they a 21 team to me. They're going to fight for something like that. They're a fringe top 25 team. Uh, they're, they're in the upper half of the Pac-12. That's what I felt before the season. And I think that's what they are. Uh, they went on the road and beat Texas A&M. I don't know how good Texas A&M is. But that's a big deal to go, you know, to fly to Texas, a, a road trip, uh, that's further than you know most Pac-12 destinations. It's it's a it's a tougher trip than you know going to Phoenix, Arizona, or something like that. Playing in front of a crowd that cares about sports, cares about college sports, and it's going to be loud and it's going to show up. And they fought to the end and they won. They won that game, and that's a big deal. And that was the game that was really going to kind of tell me about this team because obviously these other games that they're playing. You know, they should just steamroll these teams. And they've started slow in a lot of these games that were uh, completely winnable. Uh, you know, just games that they're going to win no matter what. And they've they've shown some problems. But they came back and they, they blew these teams off the map. So to me, undefeated, that's as, that's as good as you can start. And I feel like the Trojans are going to have a really solid basketball team this year. Uh, I, I think there's a bright future for USC basketball. And, and this is just going to be another year, uh, you know, where they continue to to kind of uh, head in the right direction. I don't know if they're necessarily going to be better than last year, but it's still a, a good start, a good direction, and a good foundation for this program. And I, I think that after this year, people are going to continue to be high on this USC basketball coaching staff. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, thank, and that's your last question, Nick. So thank you so much. I appreciate you asking the questions as always. And uh, I'll move on to Darren T. And Darren T. asks uh, how confident we are in USC's ability to replace Chad Wheeler and Zach Banner on the O-line and Adore Jackson and possibly Chris Hawkins in the defensive backfield. That's Darren's first question, so I'll start there. 
I'm not that confident in USC's ability to replace the tackles, honestly. I think that's a position where they're not very deep, and uh, I I would have preferred if I was on USC's staff to recruit that position a little bit more heavily in recent years. I think it's a tough position to recruit, though, and I think that that's why sometimes you can see teams have issues at offensive tackle, I, I think that, you know, big athletic guys are hard to find, first of all. But if you do find them, it's much easier to find interior guys. And, and maybe even if guys that, you know, can play on the outside and play tackle, if they're like that, sometimes I think maybe they just even fit better on the interior. I think USC is suffering from that right now. Uh, losing EJ Price is a big deal because if he was still at USC, I think he would have started. I think he would have been uh, great for them, honestly. Uh, Chuma Doga, if he's gone, that's a big deal. Uh, I, it's They're going to have to recruit strong and uh, hope that they get a couple guys that are really ready to play, and it's, yeah, it's hard to rely on that. Uh, that's hard uh, along the offensive line. I don't think that that really happens uh, very often, very regularly, that you get an offensive tackle that can come in and play. I know USC's looking at a lot of guys that uh, you know are rated to be that kind of guy, but we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I think USC might have trouble with tackle next year. That might be an issue for them. We'll see. Uh, as for Adore Jackson, Chris Hawkins, though, Chris Hawkins, if he does leave, um, you know, safety and corner, I feel like the Trojans are great at those spots. They're fine. Uh, they got a lot of guys in the defensive backfield that you know maybe could uh, could play more that would play somewhere else. Uh, a lot of talent, a lot of athleticism. Uh, they'll be fine at safety, definitely, no matter what. Uh, I I would think just because the number of people they have there, even though Chris Hawkins is, uh, I believe, their best safety. Uh, I think that they'd be able to replace him just fine. And same thing goes for Dory Jackson, despite the fact that you know he's you know all world or whatever. First round draft pick. USC has a lot of corners, and you, know, you don't always have that guy at corner. Uh, it's 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 nice for USC to have that guy in Adore Jackson a corner, but they can put together a great defense without a guy like him uh, and with the cornerbacks that they have. I'm confident in that. So I think that they'll uh, they'll replace them just fine, and maybe they they'll be fine at offensive tackle too. I'm not sure, but I'm just a little bit more concerned about offensive tackle. Then the secondary. And then, yeah, Darren, on to your, on to your question about Sam. Uh, the last two weeks, uh, Darren says, uh, were his worst games. The funny thing is, when I watched the games, they were also his best. I can see why you'd say that, Darren. Uh, when he's bad, he is so good. Can you explain it? Uh, I can't. Darren, I'm totally with you. I can't really explain it either. Sam Darnold uh, doesn't have a bad game. Uh, we nitpick when we say he has a bad game because he threw some picks or missed some deep balls or whatever else. We, you know, we have to be critical to be fair and to to get you guys, uh, you know, all the details that you want to hear. But you're right. Um, he's really not. He hasn't had a bad game. I mean, he hasn't. He's a freak. Uh, he's a stud. Uh, I, I think he's USC's best quarterback since Carson Palmer, uh, and, and it's early. And I think that. You know, after another year, uh, it might be really obvious. It might be something that everybody is saying. And I, I, he might even be better than Carson Palmer uh, after another year. And if he stays, maybe, you know, at the end of his career, he's the best ever here. I don't I don't know. that, But that's the kind of quarterback I see with him. Uh, you know, just his ability, his, his ability to get away from pressure and to make plays downfield. Uh, 
it's it's unmatched, really. I, he's the best quarterback in the country, or second best. I know there's a kid at Louisville that that everybody's high on, and that I'm high on too, and that deserves all the praise in the world. And there's a couple other quarterbacks around the country that are really good, but to me, Sam Darnold, I don't know how anybody can be better than him at the college level. And uh, you're right, he, he I can't imagine him ever having a bad game. I really can't. Maybe we'll see it someday, and it'll be shocking, but. Um, don't bet against this kid. That's another thing, too, uh, that comes to my mind now is that he feels like one of these all-time legendary quarterbacks. You know, you always hear the saying for uh, the NFL, I think, where, where most people gamble. You know, oh, don't bet against Tom Brady. Oh, don't get it. You know, don't bet against Peyton Manning. He's good. Whoever else, whoever else these quarterbacks are, Aaron Rodgers, uh, despite his slump earlier this year or whatever. Uh, there's always these quarterbacks that you just don't bet against. And uh, I think Sam Donald's that quarterback. You can't bet against this guy because it's hard. I, I can't imagine him losing a game. I know he lost at Utah, uh, you know, and, and that's a tough place to win. And that's an acceptable loss. But I really, it's hard for me to imagine him being the leader of an offense and not being able to, to pull out a victory for his team. So um, I'm totally with you, Darren T. I, I can't explain it either. But uh, thank you for the questions, as always. We are on to David Law, my good friend David Law, who I love and uh, doesn't love me, unfortunately, and reminds me every week about my uh, Donald Reaction podcast, which I get reminded about every day, pretty much, honestly. But uh, David, appreciate your question. As always, I love you, man. I'm sorry that uh, you hate me now. Here we go. Chris. Uh, he says, Chris, you do need to work on this one because I have a question specifically for you, and here it is. I just happened to listen again to your unjustified rant-a-thon on the September 20th podcast while relentlessly attacking Coach Clay Helton for replacing Brown with Donald. You said, one, that even if SC wins out, Helton should be fired. Oh, I'm so happy I said that. And two, changing quarterbacks won't, A, help get the ball to Juju, B, improve our run game, or C, make the terrible offensive line any better. So, do you stand by your rant or are you finally willing to admit that you were very wrong uh david law i was wrong on many parts of this rant but also um i think that i i was right on a few and um i'm not i'm not changing my position on this because i still do feel bad about the way max brown you know was treated in this whole thing and i, I thought it was unjustified to, to make a switch and i thought that donald should have just been picked before the season but um, I will say that I was wrong that even if SC wins out, Helton should be gone because obviously their schedule's gone really tough and they've played a lot of tough teams. Um, they, they've proven themselves. They're, they're a top-ten team. You know, Legitimately, he deserves all the credit in the world. So uh, that was a stupid rant thing to say, and I'll admit that, and I was wrong. Um, two, changing quarterbacks won't help get the ball to Juju, improve the run game, or make a terrible offensive line any better. You know, a couple things. Um, yes, all those things have happened. Um, Sam Darnold, uh, I did not anticipate him being uh, possibly, you know, a top five quarterback in college football. I thought he was a redshirt freshman. I, I loved the way he practiced, but I didn't anticipate seeing this coming. So, yeah, I didn't anticipate that the level between him and Max Brown would be so great, honestly. Although I will say that because Max Brown did play Alabama and Stanford and, you know, only played – three games as a starter and, and everybody else was young too at that time on this team as, as I think is clear. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like it's not fair to Max Brown cause I'm not convinced he wouldn't have been able to get the ball to Juju Smith Schuster if he wasn't the quarterback the whole season. Um, 
And uh, but but you're right on with the run game and with the offensive line because I really don't think the offensive line has improved that much. I still think that there's some problems. And I think that that would be much more clear if Max Brown was standing back there and was a stationary quarterback. Um, the run game I think is kind of just still on par with it, with uh, what it was before. So uh, David Law, you're right. I mean, I was I was wrong about many things that I said in that podcast. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, but yeah, I was I was wrong about a few things. Uh, now, uh, two questions he had for Adam, uh, which I'm going to have to answer because Adam is uh, enjoying his Thanksgiving uh, you know, at USC, I should say. He's enjoying his Thanksgiving at USC while I'm at home recording myself. So I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't really hold it against him. He's on the show. But here we go. Um, David Law asks, One unnamed Pac-12 coach was quoted as saying that SC is the most physical team in the league. Do you agree? And who are the non-contributors or relative non-contributors this year whom you think will make a major impact next season? Okay. Um, as for if USC is the most physical team in the league, they're right there. They're, they're one of them. Um, there's three that I think of right now, and it's or four, I should say. Uh, I just, one just popped in my Stanford, USC, Washington, Utah. Um Stanford, that's kind of their game. That's kind of what they're known for. So I think you could argue it's them. Washington, I think, has been very physical all season. So you could very easily argue it's them. They only have one loss. I think what gives USC the edge over them is that USC beat them, and USC kind of manhandled them in Seattle. So I I would say USC is more physical than Washington, but I think that that's another team you could pick. Um, Utah is it's right there with Washington, I think. I think they're just as physical as them. I think the knock on them, even though they did beat USC, is that you know, their season hasn't finished uh, the way it looked like it could have started. I think that if Utah was the 12-1 and team like Washington, I would argue that they're you know maybe the most physical team in the Pac-12 like Washington is, but I, I just think that they've, you know, there's been a couple games where it's like, oh, Washington beat them and scored that many points on them. Um, you know, oh, you know, they, they lost to Cal. It was a physical, low-scoring game, but why is Cal, you know, in that game with them? That's the type of game that Utah wins. A couple questions on their resume uh, that makes me wonder how physical, you know, they are compared to a team like USC, which I know has all those big athletes. Um, so to me, while those four are really the four, I think it, you could argue. You know, you th- those are the four teams. I think it's their style to be physical in the Pac-12, and they accomplish it well. Um, to me, it's a battle between USC and Stanford. It's a pick 'em, and if a coach picks USC, I totally agree with that, and I'm with him. And right now, I think it's definitely true. Um, Stanford's on a bit of a run too, and I just like their their uh, system and their style. So I I might lean towards them as well, but. Yeah, I agree. I would agree with that coach if he said that. Um, as for uh, non-contributors or relative non-contributors this year who I expect to make an impact next season, um, Vave uh, Malapai, the, the running back, uh, I think that um, if he starts to you know get his opportunity to, to get some carries, I could see him make it gain an opportunity that you know it'll be interesting to see how that backfield kind of shakes out but um i can see him making an impact as he goes along because to me i i feel like with the praise he got from the coaches earlier on this year he's a potential big impact uh type guy um i'm looking at receiver too because obviously we expect juju smith schuster to move on darius rogers will move on um you're just kind of waiting to see who else jumps out, you know, besides Deontay Burnett, who I think already has, and a couple of other guys, 
you know, uh, I know Michael Pittman has already jumped out, but I guess you could argue he's a relative non-contributor, even though he does do things and you see him out there on special teams because he's not, he doesn't have that role. I can see him exploding next year. Maybe another receiver uh, doing that as well. Um, defense, you're just looking for added depth. Uh, you know, I, I maybe somebody somebody comes in along the defensive line um, and they keep growing like a Jacob Daniel or a Christian Rector and all of a sudden they're becoming like a regular contributor, even though you'd probably think like a Rasheem Green is going to be the superstar uh, on that defensive line. Eventually, I'm looking in the secondary, you know, if Adore Jackson leaves, if somebody else leaves, uh, you know, at safety, you know, I think uh, Jamel Cook must jump out as a guy that, you know, is probably going to end up doing a lot of things, a lot of good things um, eventually and, you know, will eventually be a star. So I'm looking for him to jump out at any time. Um, You're looking at that, that, you know, just any cornerback they have. They could fill in if Adore Jackson does leave. Jackie Jones, maybe. You know, somebody's going to jump out. It'd just be great. There's a lot of talent on this team. I'm missing a lot of guys, I'm sure. I've already, you know, missed a few guys, a bunch of guys. But, um, yeah, that's a great question because there's a lot of people on this team that, you know, are waiting for their turn to contribute. Um, offensive linemen, too. You know, somebody's got to be the tackle, uh, you know, right next year. So maybe they'll prove me wrong. Um, and show that they were ready to fill in that spot. There's a lot of guys. So, yeah, great question, David Law. Thank you, as always. Appreciate it. I hope you forgive me, and I hope that uh, my uh, me admitting that I was definitely wrong when USC started 1-3. I think most people were, uh, you know, but me admitting it kind of helps, uh, helps us get beyond uh, my little rant against Clay Helton, uh, you know, from, uh, from weeks and weeks ago. Appreciate you, David Law. Uh, speaking of people eating crow, Ku Klux Clown, uh, who is, is talking about it in his question. I know he eats crow because, um, we emailed back and forth and we were very much on the same page earlier this year when USC was one and three about how bad things were and now things are great. And I I think that's like 70% of the fan base and it's crazy. It's crazy to see something like this happen, but here comes Ku Ku Klux Clown eating some crow. Um, he says, I'm mostly riding in to eat crows. The season went almost 180 degrees to my expectation, and I will gladly do so as I'm thrilled this season has turned out so far. I do have a couple concerns about the future, though. One, would you say the seven-game win streak was more of a function of Darnold transcending improvement throughout the team, opponents underachieving due to either key injuries or poor play, or the coaches making significant strategic adjustments with game planning during games. My concern if, is that if it's the first two, then we're still at a coaching disadvantage against most teams. Hey, um, so Ku Klux Clown, I'll start there before I jump into your other ones. I, I can see why you'd feel that way, um, because the coaching hire was questionable when it happened. You know, Clay Helton didn't have the resume uh, that, that anybody expected USC's coach, head coach to have. Um, same thing goes for some of the members on the staff. I get why you feel that way, and I do give a lot of credit to Sam Darnold for why USC is doing so well. Honestly, I think with this roster, um, it wouldn't be hard for another quarterback, another really good quarterback. I think Max Brown's a good quarterback, and, and he could be an example here. I think this team might go 8-4. 
seven five, something like that, easily with somebody that's not a superstar like Sam Darnold. Uh, so I, I could see that. Um, but I have to give the coaches credit. I do. I really have to give the coaches credit as well because they deserve it. You know, USC is uh, going to be a top ten team once they beat Notre Dame. Uh, so. I mean, if that doesn't happen, I'll, I'll, I'll have another uh, podcast like the Donald Reaction Podcast. But uh, they deserve all the credit in the world. And and honestly, I'm, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that um, I think that everything's improved on their end and that they're doing a good job coaching. Um, I obviously don't know enough to, to say, you know, specific things to me. I see Sam Donald being a freak. I think that's why people, when people say the offensive play calling has improved, I see him seeing the whole field and doing things. Um, so I'm kind of, I'm leaning towards it's Sam Donald. I'm sure the rest of the team has improved as well. I know they have, but he to me just seems like uh, such a difference maker, such a, such an amazing quarterback that I think it'll be interesting to see what happens once Sam Donald's out of USC. They have a kid that's not as talented as him, uh, which I can't imagine that they will. Uh, maybe they do because they always get top quarterbacks, but I, I can't imagine that happening. I think that's that might be when we find out the answer, really, to your question. Um, but I, I got to give the coaches credit, and I think they're doing a good job right now. So I'll kind of punt on that one. Um, and your second question, are you right to be concerned about the clock management, timeout management, and mental mistakes slash penalties? These seem to occur in close games specifically. Um, then you say, Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Clue Clerks Clown. We appreciate the question. Uh, I'm going to say that you do have rights to, a right to be concerned about those things because they have been an issue in close games, and they have been USC in the butt before, and, and we're still waiting for USC to have a great season. So I get why you're concerned about those things. Um Hasn't been a concern recently, though, because there really hasn't been a lot of close games. Uh, the, the one that stands out to me is still a problem is some of the penalties. But, you know, if you're winning and you're winning big, it's not a problem. And there have been undisciplined teams that have won big before. So um, I, I'm not going to question anything while USC's winning. That's not what I do. I know people, a lot of people got mad at me for, you know, uh, questioning the team and, and saying they're in the dumps and keeping it real. And, you know, going crazy on them. But when things are going well and USC's winning, I'm not going to question things like that for the most part. You know, I, if I see something, I'll say it. I'm not I'm not going to, you know, go silent. But they're winning. So, you know, penalties happen in football. And uh, if it doesn't affect the outcome of the game, I'm not going to criticize them for that. I wasn't that person, you know, back when Pete Carroll was here that – that would jump off the ledge, you know, when they lost a close road game and finished uh, 11 and one when people thought they should have been 12 and up. Um, mistakes happen to the best of the best. Um, you know, it's okay as long as things are going well in general. Right now, things are going well in general, so no complaints for me. If USC loses a game and finishes with a four-loss season, and it is because of penalties or clock management or timeouts. I'm right back on that bandwagon with you because I've been there before and I thought it was a problem in the past. But right now, they're on a win streak. They don't have issues right now. This coaching staff seems great to me. The players seem great. The talent seems great. I, I can't complain about any of that stuff. But thank you so much for the question. And I appreciate it. We're now on to Mr. Travelier. Here's a question for Adam, but I'm going to answer it because Adam's not here. He's uh, at USC, as I said before, having a much worse day. Than I am on Thanksgiving. Uh, Mr. Travelier says, question for Adam. Last week I asked you about how Kenenshi Udezi and his coaching style player interactions. 
How about the other these other two defensive coaches, Johnny Nansen and Ronnie Bradford? Same question. How do they work and interact with the players? And how do the players work well with some of their respective coaches? Especially interested in your comments on Bradford. I remember some negativity about his alleged attitude in recruiting. Yeah, you know, I mean, this obviously would be a better question for Adam because he is the beat guy. He's out there all the time looking at them constantly, you know, uh, with his his big old binoculars and with his, uh, they're under his microscope, basically, is what I should say. But actually, I've I've seen enough to see very positive interactions, uh, you know, between players and, and both these guys. I think that these guys, I like the way these guys coach in terms of coaching style. I don't know about enough about X's and O's to know if that, you know, they're the top quality, best of the best. But from what I see, from what I've seen in practice, they uh, interact well with their players. Players seem to like them. They seem to all get along. Um, and uh, I think that they work well together. I think we're seeing results in the secondary especially. Um, you know, And actually, I, I should give credit to, to John Anson too because the outside linebacker position has, has been nine days. It's been much better um, since the beginning of the season as well. So I think we're seeing the results uh, from both uh, you know, coaches and, and I love, uh, their coaching style. I love coaches that seem energetic and seem, you know, excited about coaching, excited about life and get their players feeling that way too. That's what these coaches do. Um, I like, I like both of their styles, um, in terms of that. Um, yeah. So, uh, question for Chris Morales, Chris Morales may or may not be on this show. He was on the show earlier, but I'll, I'm going to answer it, uh, for him. Um, he, uh, he's been a USC fan for a long time. He's like many of you on the message board, I think. Uh, you know, he grew up at the right time. And, you know, in Southern California, they're winning. He always followed it, I think, from childhood. Maybe not as diehard as uh, some of us, you know, going into the recruiting world and all that. But Chris Morales has been, you know, sitting in front of the TV on Saturdays or at the Coliseum on Saturdays for a long time. Um, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a Trojan, uh, at heart, even though, uh, he doesn't have that USC degree, which, uh, is, is a hard thing to achieve. Um, he's from the Whittier area, I want to say. I know he went out to school out around there because I, I went to college out there and we talked about that. Um, he's younger than Adam and older than me, so we'll throw him right in that, that range. I don't know if he's like a woman and doesn't like to give away his actual age, um, not married, but I believe he has someone serious in his life still, and they have children, but I hope that I didn't get that wrong or there wasn't a nasty breakup and I screwed that all up, and if I did, I apologize, Chris. And, uh, yeah, I think that I answered all your questions. Because, um, yeah, you asked, you just asked about your connection to USC football, and I answered that first, so my apologies for keeping it out of order. And uh, thank you for to Mr. Travelier for saying that our show is a riot. I like to think it's a riot as well. Um, it's going to get crazier and funnier too right after the season because guess what, guys? We're about to go back into one show territory because we don't have as much to talk about and it's about to be a casual conversation with lots of uh, stupid references to Scarface and Carlito's Way and Hannibal and Silence of the Lambs and all sorts of stuff. So get ready. Uh, Mr. Travelier, I hope you uh, stick with us as well. As I, and I have the same message to the rest of you, I guess I should say, uh, as we move back towards that format after the end of the football season. But anyway, I'm getting off course here. On to Freelane K. Hey guys, Freelane K here. Hey, Freelane K. 
Uh, he's just wondering if we could discuss how the play calling has evolved this year. He says he's noticed that the tight ends have been utilized more and more as the season's progressed. I've noticed that too. And he's seen more of an aggressive play calling approach from Helton and the staff. Uh, most noticeably going for it on fourth and one uh, early in the UCLA game. I noticed that too. Um, earlier in the year, it seemed like the Helton thing to do would be punted and play field position uh, is what Freeland K says, and I kind of agree with that. Uh, it seems like the win streak has increased confidence in the players and the coaches. So, um, yeah, so Freeland K will jump right into it. I, I agree with all of your points there. I think that as you win, your confidence does go up. Um, I, I think that we've seen that. We've seen uh, Clay Helton be aggressive, too. Uh, so I'm not going to say earlier in the season he was all about punting. That really just stands out in the Stanford game. I've seen him be aggressive before, but I think that when you're winning and your confidence goes up, it's easier to be more aggressive. As for the play call and the utilization of the tight ends, I'm going to go back to Sam Darnold. I, obviously, I'll give credit to the coaching staff all day, and if if that's the reason the play calling uh, looks different and has evolved, then thumbs up to them, credit to them. But to me, it's Sam Darnold because I think Sam Darnold sees the whole field. Uh, I think he's he's not afraid to go downfield. Um, he he can move in the pocket. He can buy time and create those plays downfield by doing that. I think he's he's a stud quarterback that can do so many things that other quarterbacks can't. And I think that's really the biggest difference. I, I That's why I didn't think we saw that with Max Brown and we didn't see that with Cody Kessler. Sam Darnold's on a different level than them. And to me, that's why the offense looks so much better. And you know what? That The coaches deserve credit then because when they have the best player available, they can call the game in an excellent fashion. Um, because they're putting their players in position to do things, and it's happening because those players are good enough to do it. Uh, you know, maybe um, people in the past have put too much blame on on the coaches because they assumed that USC had the best players at every position, and maybe you know, looking at the difference between the quarterback play under Sam Donald, and in recent years, maybe it was a, a difference in talent between uh, you know Donald and Brown and Cody Kessler. So. Credit to the coaches right now. That's all I have to say. And credit to Sam Darnold, too. Um, so thank you, Free Lane, for, Free Lane K, for the question. Uh, we appreciate it as a... We are on to Conscious B. Moving right along here. What are the chances Clancy Pendergast leaves for the league? When will the podcast become a video show so we can see the sadistic apartment Chris apparently has? You know, that's exactly why it can't be a video show. Um, I have all sorts of torture devices hanging on my bedroom wall. Um, you know, I have uh, uh, some ancient torture devices in the living room. Uh, I can't let that be seen uh, for criminal prosecution purposes. Um, you know, uh, it could be a problem for me uh, in terms of evidence, I guess. It's, it's like giving evidence away. So it will never be a video show. Um, because I, I need to, I need a basement. I need a bigger place. Obviously, I, I need to get all these things, you know, in one area next to the torture well uh, that I rebuilt from Silence of the Lambs. You know, I have that, but right now that's taking up too much room. So I kind of have to, you know, have the sadistic stuff out in the open. I don't like that. My closet's taken up with the, with the torture well. So I need a basement. Um, I might have to move or something. Anyway, back to the question, because I know that uh, only you and I enjoyed that that 45 seconds of uh, talking about my crazy apartment, Conscious B. The chances Clancy Pendergast leaves for the league, I love this question, because I actually think there's a really good chance. Um, not because of anything that I've been told. I haven't been told that Clancy Pendergast is going to leave or that he wants to, but... 
gosh, you know, he's really proven um, recently to be an elite college defensive coordinator. There's no question about that now. Um, I've always felt that way because I've always felt very strongly that what he did at Cal back in the day when he had that defense ranked so highly um, meant a lot and uh, was so impressive. Uh, when he came back to U.S. or when he came to USC the first time, I should say, and that defense couldn't really rotate and I didn't believe was incredibly talented. The way he had them ranked, I thought was incredibly impressive. The way he has this defense playing to me is incredibly impressive because while I love their talent at 10 positions, um, and I shouldn't say talent, depth, I should say even at 10 positions, defensive tackle, I feel like they need more. I really do. Um, not a knock on them because they're playing lights out and they've proven me wrong, but I just feel like, you know, it'd be easy with this roster to not have an elite level defense. They should be because they have talent, but I think it'd be easy to do that because you don't have, you know, um, five big guys that can run people over and, you know, get to the quarterback and, and, and get in the backfield. You might only have three or two guys like that right now. Um, so Clancy Pendergast, he's done an amazing job. So I could see him jumping for the NFL because why not? Uh, I feel like if he got a shot as an NFL defensive coordinator, he might be one of the best NFL defensive coordinators uh, for all we know. And if I feel that way, I'm sure someone else is watching and someone else is paying attention and has noticed what he's done in college. I mean, USC has the best defense in the Pac-12. There's no question about it in my mind this year. I didn't look at the stats. Uh, I don't know if they back that statement up, but to me it's it's un doubtably true uh i felt like well the stats said the number said they had the number one scoring defense uh in the pac-12 in 2013 and when he was at cal uh they led the pac-12 in defense as well it doesn't matter where he goes he's a stud he's a stud so um yeah i could see him eventually leaving for the nfl because if i was an nfl team i'd want to give clancy pendergast a big big check as soon as possible so yes uh Thank you so much for the question. Appreciate it. On to Fatty McButterpants. My favorite. No, not really. You're all my favorite, but uh, one of my favorites because he challenges me, fights with me constantly, never lets me off the hook. And uh, yeah, it's always good fun when Fatty McButterpants is involved. Here he is. Who do you think is the best offensive lineman on the team right now? Not necessarily most valuable because I think Wheeler left tackle is probably the most valuable considering the depth behind him. And I completely agree with you, Fatty, uh, with that statement. But I'm wondering, who do you think is simply doing their job the best? I'm going to go Nico Falla. Uh, I know that that might be a surprise pick because, he, you know, he kind of became a starter because guys were hurt or whatever. And, uh, you know, he wasn't. Uh, maybe as big of a name recruit, even though he's a huge name recruit, uh, but maybe, you know, not as big as Damian Mama or some of these other guys that he's playing next to, or Vianney Um Yeah, he to me, he fits uh, the offense very well. He fits what they want to do because uh, I think that they need guards that are athletic and can get out and uh, pull and, and centers too, I should say, because Nico's a center right now. But um he fits what they do. Um, he's athletic because he's kind of like a tackle. Uh, he was recruited to play tackle by a lot of programs. I think by USC, too, if I'm remembering correctly. So he kind of fits that. He's not that big lumbering guard. He he can get out and move and do stuff. And I think right now, in my mind, he's their best offensive lineman. I don't know if the coaches would agree with me, but that's what I'm saying, and that's what I've seen. 
So um, we're back to Nick from Cyprus, who I'm actually going to skip his questions on basketball recruiting. I'm going to I'm going to bump thread uh, that I uh, I recently answered this question. I believe I'm going to go look for it and bump that thread for you, Nick. And if I can't find it, I apologize for skipping your basketball recruiting question. But um, just a quick ad for basketball recruiting junkies: stay on the message board because every once in a while we have uh, some really nice. Uh, tidbits on basketball recruiting come in. It's kind of like a whoa moment. I know a lot of you guys are in love with uh, Scott Schrader's uh, little ninja emoji con that he drops. He called it the the little bastard, if I may. I apologize if that language is offensive for the for the podcast, but I know that's what it's called on our message board. Um, I'm kind of the basketball version of that, I would say. So, um, yeah, just a little little advertisement there. But, Nick, I'll bump that thread for you. And if I don't find it, ask the question again. I'll answer it next week. Um, moving on to Jerry Bed. Why did we accept seven three-star lower commitments prior to the beginning of the season? Um, this is not the recruiting matrix championship programs follow for several reasons, the least of which is cutting ties with said recruits at season's end because higher rated recruits express interest. The resulting bad blood this often creates within the various high school programs of the rejected recruit is often unrecoverable, sad face. Jerry Bed, I'm with you. Um, I, I never like... Uh, you know, when programs drop kids, I think it's sad. I think if you're willing to, you know, say, "Hey, we're going to offer you a scholarship," uh, you should be you should be able to stick with that. I mean, you, in my mind, that's that's a commitment when you say that, and uh, you know, you should be pretty darn sure that kid's going to fit into your program. I get that that it doesn't always happen that way, and I actually feel like uh, you know the 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 way. Uh, recruiting goes uh, has kind of led to a, a system where that has to happen because kids are so, you know, um, into having the scholarship offer uh, early and, you know, they don't want to wait and it just means more when they when the offers come early that I, I think that's kind of the resulting system we have. But um, as for your original question about why USC took so many three-star commits, I think you're getting uh, a little bit too locked onto the stars because uh, to me at a certain point three and four star guys start looking the same the there's there's ranges um looking you know right at a uh, a star ranking is not going to tell the whole story because you know there's there's a cutoff right eventually where one guy's rated a four star and the guy right below him is rated a three star and it's like well what's the difference between you know those two players, just like how there's, you know, what's the difference between the top-rated four-star and the lowest-rated five-star in Rivals.com? You, you can't say there's a big difference between those two players. So I look at the three stars that USC is taking, and a lot of them you could very easily argue are four-star prospects. They're guys right on the cusp of being rated four stars. I think that you know, since rankings are an opinion that you could very easily have a different opinion where you rank some of these guys a little bit higher, other guys lower, whatever else, and a lot of them end up being four stars. These are not low-quality prospects. These are not three-star prospects that are going to Mountain West programs or you know, to, to programs uh, like in Conference USA or anything like that. Um, these are high-quality three-stars that you see other big programs take. Um, you look at the scholarship offer lists, uh, for some of these guys, and they're very impressive, and um, they're not, you know, your typical three-star kid. Sometimes, you know, a program will have to take a kid that's closer, that's a three-star that's closer to being a Mountain West level or whatever else uh, to fill depth. I don't see that being the case 
with these three-star kids that USC's taken, I've seen a lot of kids that are arguably four-star recruits. And you see that at other programs. You see that at Ohio State, Alabama. They take three-star kids, you know, that are three-stars according to Rivals.com. But, that, you know, the coaching staff feels like this is a four-star player. This is a player that we need on our roster. This is a good player. That's what you're seeing right now. It happens every year. I think people panic about it every year. Um, you know, and, and USC always ends up high, having a highly ranked class and one of the highest national star averages in the country. They'll be right there. They're going to be right up there again. Uh, you know, and maybe if the, the ratings were just a little bit different, you'd already be seeing that um, this early on, even as USC's waiting for some of these really highly rated, you know, kids to commit later on in the process to commit on signing day. So um, the other the other thing that I kind of blame for it is the Pete Carroll era, which obviously I don't blame the Pete Carroll era for anything, but they the way they recruited, not only did they take such a high-quality uh, kid because of the way they were rocking and rolling and you know the way they were winning, but they were willing to take smaller classes and not take three-star kids. Um, so I think that kind of colored... Uh, the perception that USC fans have of these three-star kids because they were used to watching Pete Carroll take a class of 18 or 19, you know, smaller class. I know he took bigger classes as well, but they lacked those types of players. Uh, that actually hurt USC uh, when Lane Kiffin took over. They didn't have the depth originally to deal with sanctions because Pete Carroll would, you know, kind of neglect these lower-rated kids. And just chase, you know, all all the high end kids, hoping that he'd fill a class of twenty five with five and four stars, and you know, then they'd miss on three or four kids that they expected to have a chance with, and they'd end up with twenty or whatever. That that would hurt USC. Yeah, you need to fill depth, and a lot of these kids, you can develop them to be NFL players. We see that all the time. Marcus Martin is a guy that that jumps to mind. Uh, the former, you know, uh, offensive lineman for USC was Raiders, the three star by everybody. I believe he was a first-round draft pick or something like that. High draft pick um, in the NFL. You see this happen. It's not unusual. Um, just try to get past that, that Pete Carroll era thinking because if you think of some of those Pete Carroll classes, if they added five three-star guys at the tail end, the class wouldn't have been worse. You know, It would have been the same class with a few more guys, uh, some lower-rated guys, but just extra guys. And with those coaches, they probably would have developed those guys into something special and they could have helped the program eventually. So taking a three-star is not a bad thing. Everyone does it. Everyone does it. You look across the country, the number one class in the country has three-star kids in it. Don't worry. If USC has a you know a low ranking come National Signing Day or doesn't have a high average, uh, you know, an average uh, star ranking that's among the top ten, in the country, uh, then be worried. But that's not going to happen. USC is going to have one of the best classes, and uh, they're going to have uh, you know a high uh, quality class, a class that has a lot of five stars and four stars. And when you click that tab in the rivals rankings, you know when when they rank them one through you know 126 or whatever, and you can kind of organize it to to rank it yourself. You know, whether it's by number of five stars, a number of four stars, number of three stars, and then average. Click that average tab and watch that USC will probably be a top 10 class on both uh, in terms of, you know, average star ranking and just in terms of uh, the rivals way to rank things, the rivals formula to rank things out. They're going to be fine. I, I would not worry one bit at all about a three star kid be being committed to USC. It's just fine.
but thank you so much for the question, and I'm glad you're panicking because it makes a good show. And I know you're not really panicking. I'm just joshing you a little bit. Alan B31 returns. Hi, guys. What a great week. Hey, yeah, I'd say so, too, uh, for USC fans. We just beat UCLA. He said something else. Uh, Boo CLA, I'll say, because it's uh, more appropriate for the show. And get to beat Notre Lame. I'll give you Notre Lame. What I don't get is we is we beat UCLA and they get the D lineman Greg Rogers. Is he solid or will he come ever to us when he realizes what he's done for himself? Yeah, he's ruined his life. I know. Also, what do you think of the nickname for Sam Darnold? It's so obvious. I just hope it's not offensive. The Marlboro Man. Thanks and fight on. All right, Alan B. Um, I'll start with Greg Rogers. I don't think he's coming to USC. I think he's solid for UCLA. I think it's too late in the process. I know it's not late in the process, but it feels like he made his commitment late enough in the process that I know that he evaluated all of his options. He had all of his options in front of him. He picked UCLA. Things work out like that sometimes. I, I don't think USC is going to miss him uh, much at all. I like Greg Rogers a lot. I think he's a high-quality uh, defensive tackle on the West Coast and someone that I would think that USC would love to have on their roster. I think he would help them. But he's not an elite-level defensive lineman, you know, five-star guy. USC will get guys like him in this class without trying too hard. Um not because he's bad, but because USC attract, can attract defensive linemen like him, uh, you know, every day. Uh, that's that's just the reality of it. Um, so they, they'll be fine. He'll be great at UCLA as well. And uh, everything will work out for both parties, I would believe. Um, as for your nickname for Sam Donald, and this is our last question. And uh, so I'll, I'm going to give it some time here. I love it. Honestly, I do. I, I, cause you know, the connection to, I believe it is his grandfather. Here's the Marlboro man. I hope I'm not getting that wrong. Um, the connection there, uh, you know, just the cool kind of swagger that he has, uh, you know, the, I could kind of see, I know that he's kind of like a surfer dude. That's kind of what people think of when they think of Sam Darnold, I think, and like USC quarterbacks in general, but I see kind of the cowboy thing, you know, He's sort of a gunslinger. I know that that's not really the best way to describe his game, but he does throw it downfield, and he's aggressive, and he's a gunslinger. I'll give it to him. Um, he's a cowboy-type quarterback uh, with that cool, you know, just that cool deal that, you know, where it's all going to be okay, that cool demeanor. And uh, also, you know, when I think of the Marlboro man, I think of a star, right? I think of a, a star quarterback, uh, you know, or just a star in Hollywood. And that's what the quarterback at USC is, is a star. And so I think it all works. I love your nickname. I get why you think it's offensive because, you know, cigarettes uh, are not a popular thing in today's culture. Uh, you know, they're always up for being taxed whenever, you know, we were an election's coming up or something like that. There always seems to be a ballot measure about it. There's a lot of nasty commercials trying to get, you know, kids to quit smoking and kids shouldn't smoke and no one should smoke. It's bad for you. It's a nasty habit. It's, you know, it's going to kill you. But uh, I like the nickname. Uh, I just, you know, want to make it clear that, you know, I'm sure that you were worried about bringing that nickname up because of what, you know, cigarettes do, I guess, to our world. And, and I totally get you. And, and nobody here is, uh, you know, promoting tobacco use for anyone. Um, although I totally get it, too. If you, you know, at the end of the day, you like to enjoy a cigarette or a cigar, I'm not against that either. But that is a cool nickname either way. No matter how you feel about tobacco or what it's done, 
you know, to somebody close to you or something like that. Marlboro Man is a cool nickname for Sam Donald, so I personally support that nickname, but I don't support smoking. But I do support personal freedom and choice. So there you go. Take it all. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. We enjoyed uh, answering your questions. We're happy you all listened. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope this is going up somewhere around Thanksgiving. And uh, thanks for the questions. Thanks for the listens. We hope to talk to you guys soon. And I'll give it right back to Chris Morales and let him uh, take it away from here. And there you go. Answers from the message board. Podcast questions from direct from Trojan Talk at Trojansports.com. Well, I thank you, Chris Swanson, full show. Everybody enjoy USC Notre Dame. If you're listening to this Saturday morning, enjoy today's game. Wait on a Friday night. Enjoy it. We'll be back with our recap Sunday night, Monday morning. And uh, enjoy your Thanksgiving weekend, whether it's shopping, more family, more foods, more leftovers, a lot of football. Enjoy it, everyone. God bless. And we will talk to you in just a few days right here at Trojansports.com. I really hate the trip, but I got a low. As they croak, I see myself in the pistol smoke. Fool, I'm the kind of cheater little homies want to be like on my knees in the night, saying prayers in the street light. The situation they got me facing I can't live a normal life I was raised by the state So I gotta be there with the hood team Too much television watching Got me chasing dreams I'm an educated fool